What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Blue Shirts on Broadway. This is episode number nine, and this is the first episode post-All-Star break and All-Star game. This is the NHL's push for the playoffs coming into full view. Um, Most teams usually signal the All-Star break as the halfway point, and springtime hockey is coming right around the corner. Trade deadline is almost a month away. And it's really the push to get into the playoffs and get playoff position. Uh, The standings are super tight all throughout the NHL, specifically here in the Metropolitan Division with the Rangers and Hurricanes. And it's going to be a fun battle all the way to the end. There's a lot of divisional hockey games coming up. And this is really the push to get into the playoffs and play springtime hockey, which is some of the best hockey that the the NHL and the league puts on. Um, The players know it's tight. They know it's important. And uh, after the All-Star break, it's a sprint to the finish and the trade deadline coming up in the next month. So with that said, let's dive right into this week's uh, Rangers games. Okay, so let's start off uh, first by going all the way back to last Saturday, which was the NHL All-Star Game uh, played in Toronto. Uh, It was three incredible three-on-three hockey games. Uh, All three went to a shootout, which has never happened before in the uh, history of the All-Star Game, going back to when they switched to three-on-three rules. Uh, So they were really good games. They were really close games. Um, The league's skill uh, was definitely put on display. All of the top players were there, McDavid, McKinnon, McCarr, uh, you name it. They were there. They were playing. Um, they played hard, and it showed. It was it was three of the best three-on-three all-star game format um, that I have seen personally. Uh, I thought it was really entertaining, and I thought the league did a really good job putting it on this year uh, from the skills contest all the way through to the game. Um the news broke uh, during All-Star Weekend that they would not be having an All-Star game next year as they're doing a four-team um, Nations Cup, uh, which you know allows the players to play for their national team and get some pride there. So that's a little bit disappointing that um, you know we, we get this taste in our mouth of having a really good All-Star Weekend. Um, all the players were really engaged, especially during the games. Um, and, you know, we're not going to get that next year. So, uh, for me, I think the NHL does all-star weekend pretty much the best out of the four major leagues that are, uh, in North America here. Um, the players try the hardest, uh, they play, you know, obviously they're not playing super tight defensively, but you know, the skills on display and they they all want to be there. It's, you know, not like the NFL pro bowl or, uh, the NBA all-star game where it's just, you know, Put up as many points as you can and don't really care too much. Uh, the NHL guys really do take it seriously. They bring their families. They enjoy the weekend. They um, put on a good show for the fans that are paying tickets to get into the building to watch it. So uh, I was really encouraged by watching those games and seeing the league's 
uh, best put on a good display and you know hopefully they get some fans out of it hopefully people that don't normally tune into the NHL tuned in to watch this game and um, they definitely got a good show and kind of can understand what the NHL is all about about the speed and skills so um, kudos to the league for putting on a good show once again um, and hopefully the all-star game comes back in the near future um, and they keep the formatting the same way because like I said it was it was definitely awesome to watch that and it was it was a fun it was a fun weekend of festivities to be watching and uh, seeing as a fan just um, the league put on a show that I know they have but maybe some other people that aren't fans of the league, you know, tuned in for the first time to see. So uh, that being said, the All-Star break is now over, and the Rangers played three games this week. Uh, coming out of the All-Star game and um, bye week, uh, they hadn't played in around about 10 days, so obviously going to take a little bit of time to work the rust off, everybody coming back from vacation and getting away from the ice and the rink for a little bit and, you know, clearing their head and refocusing on the task at hand. Uh, they came out of the shoot with uh, two really tough games against, um, you know, playoff caliber, cup caliber teams, uh, teams that have been playing red hot in the league for the last month or so. So definitely a really good test coming out of an all-star break and, you know, shifting your focus right back into the the hockey mindset and right back into the team goal of making the playoffs and, you know, starting to play better after what was one of the worst months of hockey in January that I've seen the Rangers play in, in a number of years. So you get Colorado coming right out of the break um, and you start off slowly for both teams. That was expected. There was a lot of breakaway opportunities, a lot of odd man rushes. There wasn't much sharpness defensively from both sides. Um, and it was kind of just a, a track meet there for the, the first period. Um, but a slow track meet, it wasn't, you know, anything quick, it wasn't crisp. Um, but there was a lot of chances on both sides. Um, Jonathan quick got the start and played really well, kept the team in it for most of the game. Um, and the Rangers take a couple of penalties in the first period, definitely early in the game. Uh, and somehow uh, on their penalty kill, that was their best offensive chances through the first period. So you're kind of sitting there after one period thinking, here we go again. You know, we're back into some of this terrible hockey that we were playing in January. But uh, luckily, that wasn't the case. They go in, regroup after the first period um, and, you know, try to salvage something and try to, you know, get going. Uh, it was a game where looking at it and watching it, from my opinion, Colorado definitely outplayed the Rangers for most of the game and definitely large portions of the game. You could just see the the absolute sp uh, speed and raw skill that the Colorado team possesses. Um, you know, they've got guys like McKinnon and uh, McCarr and, you know, just some world class top end players that. Um, play really well, play with speed, uh, and they're also a bigger team, so they're not afraid to use the body. They know how to use it. Uh, they possess the puck well, and they're, they're killer in transition. So you could kind of see that the Rangers were struggling with it a little bit throughout the game, especially the uh, physicality 
and just the overall team speed that Colorado presents. The, it's it's something that the Rangers have had issues with in the past, specifically this season. You look back to a game in early January against Carolina and some of the games against New Jersey and some of the faster teams in the league where the Rangers seem to struggle a little bit defending faster, you know, quicker teams, quicker on the puck teams. So it it, it was something that was evident in this Colorado game, but this is one of those games where they find a way to fight through it. Uh, and they they did fight through it, and they started finding their physical game. The third line and fourth line in particular, you know, started throwing some hits. Cooley started getting engaged physically. Goodrow started getting engaged physically. Uh, and the whole team kind of followed suit. You saw Kreider play a little more inside, get a little more quality offense. Uh, you also saw uh, Panarin, you know, back-checking, doing good defensive work. Trocek's always in the mix. So the team seems to live and die by the energy set by their third and fourth line, which night in and night out, that third and fourth line with, you know, Goodrow, Brzezinski, VC, Cooley, they're bringing the energy every single night. And the top players seem to feed off that more often than not, which is a good thing to have, especially going you know down the stretch here where teams are going to be locking down your first and second lines, and you need a way to get some offensive zone time, grind some teams down. Uh, and I felt like that's what they started to do during this Colorado game. They started to grind Colorado down a little bit um, and took advantage of their opportunities. Uh, they tie it late and you know get it into overtime, and then um, Lafreniere scores the overtime winner, and uh, he definitely needed that goal for sure. He's been getting a lot of looks uh, in the offensive zone and has been having a ton of shots on goal, uh, and he's been noticeable almost every night, as we'll get into here later in the episode, but... Uh, for him to get that goal in overtime and get a good one and uh, kind of start the second half on the right foot uh, was definitely huge, and it's going to be big for this team going forward, uh, especially you know if some of the lines get a little stale, you can move some guys up and down. And for Lafreniere to be having the confidence that he has and now seeing the puck go in the net a little bit and scoring some bigger goals, uh, that's just going to help this team go forward. So you play this game up and down uh, and you know you take a really good Colorado team to overtime at home uh, it's it's definitely a win coming out of the all-star game um, just in that sense but then you do win the game you come back and you you fight through all of the adversity that Colorado is throwing at you and you're able to pull out two points that you definitely need so um, that's those are all good signs and this team played the right way. They played well defensively, you know, for the amount of zone time and rush chances and everything that Colorado seemed to have by the eye test. They played a really solid game, and it's it's a game that this team had been lacking over the past month. It's a game that this team would find a way to lose or, you know, maybe not even get a goal in this game and get shut out. So, to see them fight through the adversity, especially without Truba on the second game of his uh, two-game suspension, and you know, short a couple guys, it was it was definitely a um, a statement win, if you know, if you can call it a statement win at this point in the season, but definitely one for the uh, the locker room to feel good about and get some positive energy from. 
you move on off of this uh, Colorado game, taking all that positive vibes and energy, and you go into a game against Tampa Bay, who has been one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, and they themselves were just coming off their all-star game break and bye week break coming into uh, the garden to play the Rangers. So um, you kind of have a little bit of an advantage there where you are the um, team that's already shaken the rust off. And, you know, you're hoping to put together another solid effort and get this ball rolling in the right direction where it was kind of balancing back and forth and definitely on the lower end in January. So another opportunity for a Rangers group that seems to play well when they play really good teams um, to kind of get another win under their belt and keep going. So um, Tampa Bay comes in and they get a ton of guys back off of, uh, their injured list. Uh, and it's going to be a tough opponent to play. And, um, you can kind of see right off the start, Tampa had the same mindset that Colorado did play fast, play physical. Um, there was a couple huge hits on Lindgren early in the first period. Uh, and you know, the Cara, uh, the Tampa Bay, um, forwards were playing extremely aggressive and you know just hard on the puck playoff style hockey um dump it in you know grind the rangers defensemen down and they were having a lot of success doing it uh tampa looked really good in the first period uh it was a very slow start by the rangers and um tampa was double and evil even triple shifting their top line forwards um throughout the first period so even the commenters and um on the broadcast mentioned, you know, it's, it's going to wear them down at some point. Tampa's going to run out of gas at some point playing the way they did. Um, that pretty much ended up being the case, but throughout that first period, Tampa was absolutely driving five on five play and pretty much dominating the Rangers in every aspect of the game. Uh, and you could see once again, the Rangers were dealing with, uh, struggles, stopping a speedy, uh, skilled team that also has the size ability to you know make plays on the puck with you know hits and um that that's something that the rangers have struggled with here as i mentioned previously um with heavy teams that are also fast teams uh it's it's an area where the rangers need to um address and identify fixes before we get into the playoffs here. So um, a combination of that plus a slow start from the team allows Tampa Bay to kind of feel the puck early and um, start this game off really quick. The one person that did play outstanding during the first period of this Tampa game was the goalie, Jonathan Quick. Uh, he gets his third start in a row, but you know, technically second start in a row coming out of the All-Star break here. And uh, just continues to play lights out hockey. He makes the acrobatic saves. He makes saves look easy. And he's just been keeping this team in it, whether it be during that Colorado game or this Tampa game, uh, just giving the boys a chance to even, you know, come out in a second period and try to turn the tides. You've got to be in the game to be able to do that. And Quick made some really great saves against Tampa in the first period and just continues to be a really bright spot on this Rangers team. Now, that has been creating a little bit of a goalie controversy where, you know, Quick is definitely outplaying Shesterkin throughout the majority of the first half of the season here, but you're definitely going to need Shesterkin to find his game and be on the top level of his game for this team to turn it around and start playing, you know, much better brand of hockey and win games and 
try to steal some games like you're accustomed to seeing New York Rangers goaltenders do. But until then, you've got Jonathan Quick, who's making a bid to definitely get more ice time, and um, the coaching staff has definitely been rewarding him to do that. But definitely wanted to stick that little bit of a comment in here uh, as we're breaking down the Tampa game, just as a side note to continue to watch to see if Jonathan Quick gets a little bit more ice time and a little bit more run of play because he definitely deserves it. And um, as Valaket and Lundqvist and some of the other goalie experts uh, that are now analysts have mentioned, times have changed a little bit from the times even five years ago where you had a primary and a backup goalie. It's more becoming a league of goalie tandems where Goalies are getting a little bit more equalized ice time now with Quick being 38, 39 years old. He's not going to get as much ice time as Igor. You want to keep him a little bit more fresh, um, and you don't want to play him for long stretches of time. But uh, definitely look to see Jonathan Quick get a little bit more ice time going into the second half here and making a push um, down the stretch. Uh, to where he can be an effective goalie, you know, late in the season and even in the playoffs if you need him. Um, but good to see him continue his good run of play, and you've just got to feel happy for him as a person and as a teammate. And he's amazing player in the locker room and um, a really good mentor for Igor. So hopefully Igor learns from this experience as well and comes back stronger, you know, in the next couple of weeks to find his game and form and create this goalie tandem of Quick and Shishjerkin that is one of the top ones in the league if they're both playing on their game. But um, that's definitely something that came out of this first period in the Tampa game and the game against Colorado is Jonathan Quick just keeping this team in it and willing them towards finding their game and giving them a chance to find their game and uh, turn it around a little bit within the game itself. So after getting outplayed for somewhat of the first period, uh, you know, the team goes in and takes a break and takes a reset, and you just hope that they pull one out of the hat and kind of come back out in the second period a little more reset and, um, you know, start to chip away at the momentum that Tampa built in the first period, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, Led once again by the third and fourth lines, uh, VC Cooley, Brzezinski, Goodrow, Pitlick, and Kako are all super noticeable, almost night in, night out. One of those two lines is usually on it, uh, specifically in the offensive zone, just attacking north-south, playing hard, you know, physical brand of hockey where they're turning pucks over, they're making defensemen of the other team go below the goal line and defend, um, you know, back backs against the rest of the ice and kind of up against the boards and um, just making it really tough on the other team and grinding them down to where you do this and you open up more ice and more space for your top end skill guys to take advantage of. And you see it more times than not where this third and fourth line on this team uh, play well, they play hard. And the top end guys kind of follow suit and start, you know, making a little more hits and getting a little more ice and space and uh, ability to make plays. So um, that's kind of how it's supposed to be, too, right? You design a team to 
have these third and fourth line guys that aren't just physical bruisers, but they can also play and put the puck in the net. And that's what happened here. You get two gifts from Vasilevsky, who um, lets in third and fourth line goals to um, the Rangers that he probably shouldn't let in, but it's you get the luck of the break and you create your own luck. Uh, and the Rangers definitely did that on their third and fourth lines. They worked hard for it. And they were all noticeable once again in this game uh, and pretty much throughout the three games this week. Uh, and that's going to be huge moving forward as you're getting into a time of the season where ice gets smaller and top-end players gets checked a little bit harder. Uh, you're going to need your third and fourth line guys to be able to push the offensive zone play and you know, um, create chances and create ice space for your top end guys whether it be through physical play or you know playing a good brand of hockey in the offensive zone where you're forcing teams to exert energy to defend you uh, when they have their top end guys on there themselves that feel they should be pushing the play in their offensive zone so um, that's kind of what turned the tide here in the Tampa game. Uh, obviously, Tampa continues to roll, and they're they're always a threat, and they're always dangerous offensively with Kucherov and Stamkos, um, and some of their top end skill guys that are some of the best in the league. So, um, you know, it's it's a hard game to play, uh, especially when Tampa is double shifting some of their top end guys. It's just one of those games where you have to be on notice every time you're on the ice, know who you're playing against, and know the best ways to play against those players, whether it be in your defensive zone, you know, putting pucks off the wall and out of the zone just to, you know, escape pressure, or, you know, try to make a pass and make a breakout play and get through the neutral zone quicker and, you know, get back into the offensive zone. And a lot of times... You know, the Rangers decide that they want to make these east-west passes, which is great on certain parts of the ice. But, you know, in the neutral zone and defensive zone, it's it's not always the best play, especially when you're out there with some of these more skilled uh, first and second line players throughout the league. So it's it's something that had been biting them throughout the January stretch of bad hockey games. And at least through this Colorado game and then through this Tampa game, uh, you didn't see that as much. It was a lot more straightforward north-south hockey, and the team benefited from it. Um, and the panarin trocek Lafreniere line continues to click. Uh, they did so in this Tampa game again. Um, Lafreniere had another standout effort, uh, unfortunately doesn't get a goal and still is a little bit snake bitten, even after that overtime goal in, against Colorado. Um, but it's a really good sign that he's been noticeable almost every game. Uh, he's getting his chances, he's getting his opportunities, and he's really found a home there on the right wing, which is his off wing playing with Panarin and Trocek. So, um, that's one player that they, this team desperately needs to continue to ensure that they're getting a lot of effort out of, and he's been good. He's been good defensively. He's been physical on the puck. He's been digging pucks out of the corners and trying to feed Panarin and, you know, Trocek does kind of the same thing. So, um, that group of three has definitely found chemistry and they're playing well together, but Lafreniere specifically stands out night in, night out, which is 
coming into the season something that the organization and the team was hoping was going to be the case. So that's one less hole they have to fill. And you don't want to start having the conversations of needing to trade your first overall pick from a couple seasons ago. So for both parties, you know, it's it's a good sign that even though Lafreniere may not be scoring at a great clip, um, he's definitely snake bitten. But I'd rather see him getting the opportunities, getting the looks, putting in the effort, and just continuing to grind night in, night out. And get those opportunities than if he were just skating around and kind of, you know, you don't even know if he's in the game. So um, he's been a really good story this season, and we'll see how it continues throughout the rest of the second half of the season here. Um, But that being said, uh, that line's been good. The first line uh, has been atrocious and continues to be. Um, they're not getting very good five on five offensive chances. Uh, they're defending well, but as a top line, you're expecting, you know, goals to be scored. And that's just not been the case. Kreider and Zabanajad specifically have not been great on five on five offense. Um, I think they've gotten the majority of their goals off the power play or special teams. And it's just, a combination that is lacking something, whether that be a dynamic right wing where they currently have Wheeler playing, but they have no other options, or themselves just being too unselfish with each other and passing the puck when they should be shooting, shooting the puck when they should be passing, and just kind of looks off. So I'm not sure if that's something that's going to be corrected at the trade deadline or not, but definitely something that needs to be kept an eye on going throughout the season, like I've mentioned in previous episodes. Uh, It's continued here over the two games against Tampa and Colorado, continued into the Chicago game, but uh, you're just waiting for that moment where this top line breaks out offensively and starts looking dynamic. It's, It's almost like you get a lot of momentum going from your third and fourth lines. They've got the puck in the offensive zone. They're handling the puck. They're making plays. They're getting you know, some offensive zone pressure. And then this top line comes over the boards and onto the ice. And it's just, it's like everything just zaps away. They end up in their defensive zone pinned in and they just can't seem to keep the momentum going that the team builds or, you know, get some of their own momentum going, get some traction. And it's just, it's kind of becoming glaringly concerning that, that group of three, even no matter who goes on that right wing, just seems to be stuck and can't get any offensive zone time, can't get any plays being made. And it's just, it's a slog for that line right now that they need something good to happen. Um, And, you know, getting into the Chicago game here a little bit, you're hoping that the Zibanejad overtime winner against Chicago kind of sparks him a little bit offensively into a shoot first mentality to kind of get out of that but specifically in this Tampa game they were just almost a non-factor for most of the game and um it is a little bit concerning specifically for the team but just as a fan watching it's it's hard to see some of your top players just not being not playing up to their ability and they know it but um not really sure how to get out of it at this point, but you just keep working on it and keep 
you know, grinding away and hopefully you start to see some of the results coming up because the team needs it. You can't rely on one singular line to be your dynamic offensive threat. They're going to get shut down, you know, coming down the road here into playoff hockey where teams are going to game plan to stop the Trocek Panarin line. And you're going to need the Zibanejad Kreider duo to pick up their five on five offensive ability and, you know, all while continuing to defend and be strong defensively against top lines of the other team. So it's a hard one to balance there. You don't want to lose that defensive prowess, but you definitely need to provide more offensively for this group. Um, and it's it's definitely something that caused a lot of the struggles during January. Panarin and Trocek went a little bit cold, which is okay. They've been pretty much red hot all season. But you need somebody to step up and, you know, pick up some of that offense. And you just didn't really see it. Zibanejad only had one goal since previous to Christmas, which is not good. Um, And that one goal was not a five-on-five goal. So you just need to see a little bit more from them and a little bit more leadership and you know offensive ability for your top line players to uh, continue to play if not you need to start thinking as a coaching staff of breaking some of those guys up to spread offense and be a little bit more balanced as a lineup so with that said uh getting into the chicago game uh, the Rangers desperately needed a breakout game here you know to play two um really tough top defensive, top offensive teams uh, coming out of the break in Colorado and Tampa. You've kind of got a layup game here, which ends up being a trap game, and it was. It did play out that way against a team that um, is, you know, bottom five in the league and injury ravaged, but they have a lot of young players in the lineup. It's it's not a good team, and you're just looking for one of those games to kind of solve your offensive uh, problems with your top two lines and start feeling good about yourselves as players get some get some confidence rolling and um, score some goals feel the puck see the puck go in the net and that's unfortunately where Chicago is as a team but as a team with a lot of expectation in the Rangers you want to use this game to just kind of break out and feel feel good about yourselves and unfortunately that didn't play out to be the case um the Rangers do pull out a 4-3 overtime win, but it's one of those games where you win it and you pretty much feel like you've lost it. So um, breaking it down a little bit here, it was it was a really boring game to watch, uh, not going to lie. it was There wasn't much going on throughout most of the game. Um, Lafreniere scores the first goal after the Rangers give up a pretty brutal one to open the game. So you go down one nothing against a pretty bad team. You're just hoping the bench doesn't sink. Uh, Shesterkin gets the start in net for the first time since before the All-Star game. Uh, and he lets in one that he probably couldn't stop. He was really screened on the play. Um, but it's not good for his confidence no matter what to see the puck in the back of his net. So... Um, it starts off pretty much as bad as it could against a team you're expecting to dominate. And you're down one nothing early. 
and you're looking to see how the team's going to respond. And they respond pretty much in the right way. You get Lafreniere coming off and um, putting the puck in the net. It was a nice goal. It was a go to the net and try to get one kind of goal, and that's what he did. Um, and he put a good shot on net off the, off the post and in, and um, you tie the game up relatively quickly and you're right back in it. And now your mindset changes back to, we have to be perfect. We have to pretty much annihilate this team and it should just be that killer instinct that kicks in. And unfortunately for this group, uh, the past four seasons or so, it's just, they don't have that killer instinct. And it's something that is really evident for media and fans alike and something that this team needs to grow into adapting to have. Um, you're a 1-1 tie, and then you go up to 2-1 on a really beautiful goal that you know Fox sets up. A little bit unlucky for the Chicago player to lose a skate blade and get out of position, but Fox and Kreider take advantage of it. Fox makes a, a wonderful pass to Kreider back door, and he just has a tap-in goal, so... It's 2-1, and you're off to the races. Um, the Rangers get another couple of quality looks and opportunities that they don't score on, but other than that, they almost shut it down. It, it just looked like they were content to flip the puck around and play with it, play Instagram hockey, and um, just not put the effort into obliterating a team that you need to be beating by two, three, four goals. Um, that's just the way it is. It Yes, it's the, it's the NHL, and yes, they're NHL-quality players in Chicago, but as a Rangers team that has higher aspirations, you need to show it on the ice, and you need to play one of those no-doubters. You can't leave it up to you know one bounce of the puck, which ends up biting them in a third period where they only put up two shots on goal. And yeah, they defend Chicago well in the third period. Um, they didn't allow a shot on goal until the seven-minute mark, I believe. But uh, once that happened, Chicago opened the floodgates and they get two goals and tie the game right up. Um, and that's that's an issue. Um for a playoff quality team like the Rangers and a team that is expecting to go deep and make a good run at it and having the quality of players that they do in the lineup, you shouldn't be allowing a team like Chicago back into a game where you have a two goal lead in the third period. It's just, it's unacceptable. And it comes back to that killer instinct. Um, you know, you go all the way back to the Eastern conference finals against Tampa in 2022 you're up 2 nothing in Game 3 where you have a 2-0 lead in the series and you kind of shut it off and coast and Tampa comes back and wins four straight. Same thing with New Jersey the next year, which was last year. You're up in Game 3 and you're feeling good. You're at home. You blew them out in the first two. You were locked in for the first two games and you could see it. And you allow the Devils to come back in the series and once again blow you out of the water. So... It's for whatever reason, this team starts getting some easy goals. That Crowder goal from Fox was just as easy as it gets. And they start feeling it and they want to make passes and make pretty plays. And especially that top six, they just kind of shut it down and coast. Uh, the fourth line and third lines once again played outstanding hockey. They were playing well all game. Brzezinski gets another goal. Um, so that's a couple in his last three games and, you know, he's feeling it. 
And the third and fourth lines are noticeable. Kako was noticeable. Lafreniere, once again, like I mentioned, was incredibly noticeable all game. He gets the goal in regulation. And it, you've got a lot of guys that are trying to pull the bus along. But um, for whatever reason, the team just switches off in that top six and um, just coasts it and tries to play pretty hockey. And it, it just doesn't work. And they they play down to their opponents so much that they end up losing these games. Um, you've got this game against Chicago. You've got the game earlier in the season against Columbus. You've got the game against San Jose a couple weeks ago, and you almost lose to Anaheim and come out and play a really bad first period. You do salvage that game, but you've got to stop playing down to your opponents and giving away these easy points. Now, Lucky for them, Zabanajad wins it in overtime after a really good play by Fox to create a three-on-two situation. Um, I didn't really get a chance to see the Fox play to see if it was a penalty or not, but um, it looked questionable just from the replays I saw, but no matter the fact, Fox played engaged and physical throughout this game. He had a big hit early in the first period, so... Um, for him to make that play behind his own goal and it turn up to be the overtime winner with Zabanajad, um, that's good. You've, it's it's a good thing to see Fox more physically engaged and playing good defense and making the plays that he needs to make, not only with the puck, but um, defensively and physically to kind of lessen the burden a little bit on Lindgren and allow both of them a little more time and space to you know, make plays and for Lindgren not to get plastered against the boards every play. Um, that was good to see out of Fox. That's that's a side that we haven't seen in a while. But um, yeah, he makes that play in overtime. Um, and then you're hoping that Zabanajad starts to get a little more positivity um, and shoot the puck a little bit more. He actually shoots the puck. He has a really great shot. Uh, he doesn't do it nearly enough, but he's forced to in overtime. He wins it. And you could see from the team's reaction that they weren't happy at all. Um, you know, they celebrate the goal a little bit, but it's not like one of those chaotic overtime win celebrations where the team piles in. So they know it was a rough game and they know it should be better. And that's all you're looking for, especially out of this leadership group who throughout the season has been one that's been a little too overly positive. Um they're always a group that feels they'll be okay, they'll figure it out, um, which is fine. But at some point, you want to see the team not happy when they're not meeting expectations, which means they're going to do better next time. Um, so yeah, you you roll out of Chicago with a win that you probably feel you didn't earn. You didn't play well enough to earn. but. As I said, Chicago is a team that you should be beating. So you don't have to do too much to get that win. And once again, the bottom six forwards show up, play hard, and keep you in the game to where you can make one play to win it. And that's pretty much what ended up happening. Unfortunately, you give up the two goals in the third period, um, which weren't defensive mistakes. They're, they weren't egregious mistakes by any means, but you let a Chicago team hang around, hang around, hang around, 
and you don't do much offensively in a third period, so they're just kind of pushing. Um, you're going to expect the puck to end up in the back of your net. It was just, it wasn't goals against the run of play or they weren't fluky goals. It was just Chicago outplayed you in the third period and, you know, wins the period and nearly wins the game. So you get two points. Um, Rangers are currently six up on Carolina with um, two more games played. So right where you need to be to continue to be first in the Metropolitan Division, um, which is going to be important. There's a lot of teams vying for that third Metropolitan Division spot and then the wild card spots. And those teams down there that are going to be in the wild card spots are teams that play a really physical brand of hockey. You look at teams like the Islanders or the Red Wings and you know, Florida, those type of teams that play a grinded out style of hockey, which the Rangers seem to struggle to do and defend against. So you're looking for this upcoming schedule that's a little bit easier for the Rangers to play to start getting into that mindset of playing that type of hockey um, and getting yourself playing the hockey you want to be playing. Because ultimately, the only thing you can control is the style you play and the hockey that you're playing. Um, and for that to be a successful brand to make a long playoff run, um, you want to start getting into good habits now. Uh, and that's what you were hoping to see out of the Chicago game last night. Uh, I can't remember the last time the Rangers crashed the crease and created some havoc and did some of the things that Chicago did against them. You saw Igor get a little pissed off and start swinging his uh, blocker glove at, uh, I think it was Felino, and, you know, just getting mad that Chicago players were crashing his crease. And A, that's a little concerning that the Rangers allowed it. B, that they didn't stick up for their goaltender enough to, you know, push the pile away from him. And C, that they're not doing it enough themselves on the offensive end. So that's definitely one thing I'm looking for going through these next couple of weeks is just can they get a little bit meaner? Can they get a little bit nastier in front of the um, opposing goal and you know in the offensive zone just throwing the puck around, throwing bodies around, and getting to the front of the net and trying to get chip-in rebound goals? It's it's something, and it's a style of play that this this group doesn't, tend to like to play but it's the style of play that wins you tight checking um no space games where your top end players like Panarin aren't gonna get the space to make plays that they're usually accustomed to making um so it's it's something I'm looking for moving forward and specifically getting closer here to the trade deadline of maybe you add a player like that into your top six that doesn't like to play pretty hockey but they like to go to the net and score rebound opportunities and dig pucks and make it hard for other teams to defend against so you can open up that space for Panarin Um, but that all stems by looking at the teams in the standings that are going to be potential postseason matchups and a lot of those teams don't give your top end skilled players the time and space they need to make those east-west passes and think about what they're going to do with the puck and make those crazy seam passes that are almost automatic goals. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at here. 
Um, just looking forward to the next few games. You've got some opponents here who are similar to Chicago in that you're probably expected to win and you want to put forth a good effort and make sure you play no doubt hockey. And by that meaning, you know, win it by two or three goals and make it a game that that was never in doubt. So with that, um, we'll kind of end the episode here. And look forward to uh, the games next week uh, and hopefully continue the good vibes, keep the ball rolling, and keep stretching out this win streak a little bit to make up some of the ground that was lost during the January slump. So with that, uh, I'm going to sign off here and look forward to breaking down next week's action on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.